0: Hi, this is Angie Meadows.
1: And this is Will.
0: And today's The Rock of Recovery. We're going to keep studying the book of John. And the reason I think uh, we should study, especially in recovery, is because i got to have something else to think about. I can't think my own thoughts. My thoughts are toxic. They're confusing. If I grew up in domestic violence, if I married into domestic violence, if I was uh, abused, at any point in my life, I've got a lot of rehearsing of negativity in my life. I've got a lot of negative rumination, I've got a lot of trauma bonds where things loop um, to where there'll be something that will make me feel like I can't move it, I'm just obsessing over and over with it, but what the Lord has taught me will is that I am to think His thoughts and not my thoughts that his thoughts are living and breathing and healing and going to make me strong and if i think my thoughts and there's lots of suffering and i'm i'm literally picked up the abuse where somebody else left off does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't want to do that instead i want to i want to see it and i want to move it i want to move the anxiety and say okay show me your word lord oh yeah i'm going to be strong and courageous i'm going to meditate in your word day and night so the that's in Joshua 1 but for me to be strong and courageous uh, that's the opposite of anxiousness and fretfulness and fearfulness Right. Yep. So, for me to be courageous, I've got to obey what it said to do. The secret was to meditate in His Word. So, there's something about hanging out in the Gospels, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where you just hear Jesus over and over and over again, and and these are stories that will help you pull out principles and help you learn the heart of the Father so the first uh, thought we have in john
1: the woman at the well
0: so jesus was partial to broken women which is really cool because we're all kind of broken and we're all kind of hiding and thinking that that we're not good enough but that's not the way jesus was saying sometimes we're thinking that okay we're of a Uh, we're a woman and not a man we're we're black and not white or we're white and not this color you know that we're we're this orientation and not that one and so we're just not accepted and that's not that's not the way jesus treated people that were outcast he treated them like they were the inner circle so let's look at number one the john four one
1: therefore when the lord knew that the pharisees had heard that jesus made and baptized more disciples than john
0: okay so who heard that jesus was baptizing more than john
1: the pharisees
0: yeah them pharisees (laughs) those were the religious leaders the ones that were always kind of trying to sneak and trap jesus and say he was saying stuff he wasn't saying uh flipping his words against him and trying to make him an outcast and persecuting him so number two
1: Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples.
0: So did Jesus baptize?
1: Uh, No.
0: No, his disciples were doing the baptizing. So the reason I want you to ask yourself questions with the verses is because when you're asking yourself a question, the Holy Spirit's going to give you other questions to ask, like what's it mean to be baptized? What's it mean to be a disciple? And now you can uh, commune with the Holy Spirit, and you can get deeper into uh, your studies. So number three, John 4, 3.
1: He left Judea and departed again to Galilee.
0: Hmm. So where did they go? Where did they leave from, and where did they go?
1: Judea. And they went to Galilee. Galilee,
0: Yeah, well, so what city did they go through? Uh, Samaria? Yeah, but he needed mm-hmm. to go through Samaria. Now, most of the Jews, when they traveled, they went the long way. <laughs> they were like, we're not going through Samaria. So Samaria were half Gentile, half Jews, and they were not accepted. They were actually rejected uh, because they weren't supposedly purebred Um and then a woman would have been not one that the rabbi or the teachers would have spoke to, particularly a woman of her um, her class. So let's look at number five.
1: So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, Sikar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph.
0: So what was the significance of the name of Samaria? What was, what was the name of the place in Samaria? It was called Sikar. And then why is it significant?
1: Because it was the ground of Jacob.
0: Yeah. And Joseph was his favorite son, <laughs> Joseph was the son that got the coat of many colors. Joseph was the first son of Rebecca that he loved the most. And so he highly favored Joseph, and then God used Joseph in Egypt. Uh, First, he had to go into the pit to be persecuted and rejected by his brothers, and his coat of many colors was was stripped off and dipped in blood, and they told their father that he had been killed. But what happened is that they sold him as a slave. (laughs) And so then he goes into slavery, and then he gets falsely accused, and then he goes into prison. And then uh, people from the palace come in, and he um, interprets their dreams, and then they Forget about him when they get back to the palace, and the dreams come. The interpretation that he gave was true, and then he became uh, second in command in Egypt, who brought the other ones into Egypt to save them from the famine. So Joseph was very um, highly esteemed in the Old Testament. So let's look at John 4 6.
1: Now, Jesus' is well, or now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied Mm -hmm. from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour.
0: Okay. So now you can ask yourself questions about um, did Jesus have a physical body and weary like we do? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he did. And what time of the day was it? Noon. Yeah, it was around noon. It was about the sixth hour. So Jesus had a physical limitation. So he needed to sleep. He needed to eat. Uh, he, he needed to take care of his body just like we would. So number seven, John 4, 7.
1: A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink.
0: So who did Jesus speak to at the well?
1: A woman from Samaria.
0: Yeah, a woman from Samaria. And what did he say to her?
1: Give me a drink.
0: <laughs> and why did Jesus need her need her to give him a drink?
1: Um, she had a physical container to draw the water out of the well and he did not.
0: Yeah, that was most likely the case. Um, and so it was noon. It was not the time that the other ladies from the city would come out and get water. so she was probably avoiding the other people who would reject her or persecute her. So where did the disciples go while he was talking to this woman?
1: For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food.
0: Mm-hmm. So where'd they go? To the city to go to go buy food. Yeah, so the well was outside of the city. So the well is very um, significant because water was was life, and without the water, they couldn't they couldn't give their animals uh, enough water. They couldn't get enough to drink themselves. Um, you know, it's not like they could turn on a spigot. So let's look at what we have just read about. The disciples were baptizing more than John. And, and remember, John the Baptist, he was um, come in the spirit of Elijah, and he was the one that baptized Jesus. And then when he, they were baptizing more, Jesus's disciples were baptizing more, they expected John to be jealous, and instead he wasn't. He said, uh, more of him and less of me. So that's very significant. Um, that John was very willing to to know that he had done the job that he was to do and it was okay so jacob's well was a place known for many blessings and jesus had physical limitations like we do and most women were at the well in the morning to socialize but this woman wasn't liked enough to come at the well to the well when other women came so Je- jesus intentionally begins a conversation with a woman which is very interesting because the other priests and rabbis they would have not done that they they would have followed the religious expectations the religious rules so let's let's ponder some thoughts
1: who is despised in your eyes maybe with perjury prejudice oh prejudice prejudice how could you show kindness yeah so is
0: there a certain like are are you do you despise the homeless do you despise um Do you despise the elite, the people that are rich? Do you despise people that act entitled? If so, how could you show them kindness? Because a lot of that times, well, I think that's just a front for being insecure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's the next question?
1: Are there places you avoid so you can avoid the rejection or feelings of rejection from others?
0: So a lot of times, I remember years and years ago i felt so rejected when i come into to church i had been raised in a church where there was a lot of rules and so i i was always kind of told that if i wore a pair of pants that i couldn't pray that god wouldn't hear me so then i was so wounded at different things that had happened that when i came back as an adult my heart was on my sleeve so if somebody looked at me funny I thought it was about me. <laughs> and I felt rejected. So what I did is I spent several years listening to radio preachers and learning how to keep my eyes on Jesus and not my eyes on people. So then when I got back to church, I looked like one of the stronger ones and not one that was wounded and easily harmed. So let's look at John 4, 9.
1: Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Sumerian woman? For Jews have no dealings with Sumerians.
0: Oh, wow. So he was not only supposed to have no dealings with uh, a a woman, but he was uh, culturally not to have any dealings with a Samaritan woman. So the woman was questioning, how is it that you could be doing this? Why would you break all of these uh, cultural rules?
1: Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water.
0: So he's talking to her about his divinity. He's telling her now if you just knew who I was you'd ask me for special water for living water. And that's what Jesus is. If Jesus is the word and the word is living and the, and the holy spirit dwells in us like water like rivers of water flowing from our belly then he is the living water he is the stream and the flow that washes that keeps us clean so let's see what happens next
1: the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep Where, then, do you get the living water?
0: (laughs) She didn't understand, did she? So this woman does not understand the difference between physical and spiritual water. She just thinks there's one type of water. So I want you to ask yourself, do I understand how to drink from the tap, you know, from the bottle of water, from the tap water, from physical water, but do I know as well how to drink from spiritual water? Hmm. So,
1: Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? So she
0: considered Jacob as very great. This was his well. This was his water. And back then they didn't have big machines. It would have been a hand dug well. And I would think that many people, you know, the well might have caved in. It would have been a very dangerous thing to have dug a well so john 4:13
1: Jesus answered and said to her Whoever drinks of the this water will thirst again
0: Okay so he's talking about physical water and physical drinking
1: But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water spring springing up into everlasting life.
0: Oh, there's that word, everlasting life. Now, as we've gone through these first four chapters, we've seen eternal life and everlasting life several times. And and well, I think that that's um, I think that would make a phenomenal study to just look up every scripture on everlasting, eternal, and and to determine what that means and and what's around it, what's in the verses before, what's in the verses beneath. And when you start getting into the word, it's like. First, it's like eating dry cereal. It's like, yeah, it's going to nourish me, but I don't know. It it don't taste very good. It's wasting my – your thoughts are all over the place. You're scattered. You don't remember what you read. But if you'll just press in, if you'll just press in until the words on the page become living words, now you're going to be able to develop a fountain. So I remember um, listening to preaching three to five hours a day at least 300 days a year and reading it every morning and every afternoon and in the and in the evenings reading it to my children and reading it to myself and and then i would i would think now what was it i read and i couldn't remember it and then i I would get the scripture that says uh, don't worry my my word will not return void but it will water it will do what it's supposed to do and so little by little year over year after year until it become 30 years and probably 30,000 hours of listening to teaching and preaching, writing scriptures. I had 40 notebooks of where I just sat and wrote scriptures. Because when I couldn't get my thoughts to stop racing because of the trauma I had been through, if I would get into the Psalms, if I would turn them around and pray them, if I would write scripture, all that noise stopped there was a peace that would come over me that would last for hours. And at first, when I would get that peace, I would get up and lose it. The phone would ring and be a telemarketer. Kids would be crying. I'd lose my peace right away. And so instead, what I did is I learned to carry it with me. And now when I lose it, it's, I still lose it. well, <laughs> even this past week I did, but I regain it real fast. I know when it's gone. I know when that peace is gone. I know when I quenched that Holy Spirit. I know that there's something there that the Lord is teaching me. So let's look at John
1: 4:15. The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water. That I may not thirst, nor come here to draw.
0: Oh, no, she's kind of like the people with the bread. Now, if he just gives us bread, you know, he just take a couple little loaves and break enough bread to feed 5,000 of us. We want him to be king. So she's kind of looking at him like a, a giver of of water, maybe, where she doesn't have to go and carry it anymore. So she's kind of looking for an easier way of life, not understanding That when he gives her living water, she's gonna have to, she's gonna have to do her part to stay connected to him, to the Holy Spirit, to the Living Word, to continue to develop her character, to hold that water, to hold that eternal life, to hold that blessing, so that it can run through her. Because there's a lot of times that there'll be um, water coming up out of a spring, but if you stuff rags in it, it It's not coming up as strong. So there's a, if I hold on to my physical greed or, um, suffering my my bitterness my unforgiveness. i'm going to be stopping up this flow of water i'm not going to be coming to jesus saying i need a drink i need another drink i need another drink of that living water because this has got me stuck so if you're stuck somewhere go back to the master and say how do i get unstuck how do i get this rag out of that flow of water so that it can flow and i can i can breathe and i can live again so john four sixteen,
1: jesus said to her go call your husband and come here
0: hmm so what's jesus doing
1: he is getting to the root of her problems so he can give her living water well
0: look at that he's like okay there's reasons why you're not able to hold this living water so a lot of times if you have gotten living water before and then you lose it uh it just leaked out you didn't develop the strength and the character of christ to be able to hold it so we want to be able to develop that self-control that love that joy that peace we want to know um we want to do those studies on love and on joy we want to know when we're supposed to have joy and and when we're supposed to have joy in all things rejoice I say therefore rejoice it's a double command so if I don't have joy I'm not understanding what it is to have joy I haven't dug into the word enough to realize that I am to practice holding my joy in trials and tribulations and persecutions and afflictions and sufferings and in all things because it's it's bringing me maturity so I'm looking at it in a temporal with a temporal physical eye and not with a spiritual eye so Jesus is showing her what her temporal eye looks like, and what's stopping up the flow. So, John 4 17.
1: The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband.
0: Hmm. So, he's not going to let her be superficial, is he? <laughs> John 4 18.
1: For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly.
0: Huh. So, Jesus is saying to her, You're not going to be superficial and be able to hold this flow of this living water. Uh, so, the woman's going to perceive something here.
1: The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet.
0: She's like, Hmm, he knows something about me that he wouldn't know if he wasn't a prophet. She's not quite understood yet that he's the Messiah. So, um, Let's look at our outline. Jesus breaks the social rules, and He speaks to the Samaritan woman. And then there's a difference between the physical and the spiritual water, and water represents life. The spiritual life needs to be have the same consistent care as our physical bodies. So, just as you would get a drink of water uh, every couple of hours, just as you would feed your body a couple times a day, this is what you need to do spiritually. You need to feed your spirit, You need to water your spirit with the Word of God. So Jesus continually fills up with fills us with that wellspring of water of life that only He can give us.
1: What it what would it feel like to drink living water
0: (laughs) what do i feel like well i would say it would feel like joy it would feel like hope it would feel like peace because if god is love then i would be able to at the end of my day move everything that wasn't love and land in His love. I would be able to move the rejection, the abandonment, the feelings of worthlessness, and I would be able to rehearse the verses that say His love. And that would be drinking the living water that I would need at that moment. So if you can get a word on what is causing your suffering, now you can go look up the Scriptures on it and you can find how to drink the water there so that it will heal your heart.
1: What will it look like when God activates your spiritual ear.
0: So I want to tune my ears to hear the Lord. And I not only want to hear – very few people hear audible voice. And I've probably only heard it three or four times my entire life. And I've been walking with the Lord since I was nine. So um, a lot of times I would hear a voice that would be like a really strong thought. And now, will I have learned to hear His voice in silence. It's just an impression. It's a very, very still, small voice. But I'm not going to know this if I don't practice it. So all of our listeners out there, I want you to practice asking the Lord a question and then listening for the answer. A lot of times I can ask Him a question on the way to church, and the pastor's going to answer it from the pulpit that day. And then I know that that was the Lord speaking to me. So what's the next question we want to ponder?
1: what would it look like to give your spirit consistent care
0: oh well it wouldn't be rehearsing um, nonsense (laughs) it wouldn't be rehearsing a negativity and a negative voice and let myself loop with making myself crazy with the noise of the world it would look like settling myself down and saying here it is lord help me here help me there and it would it would be caring for my spirit it would be taking everything that feels disconnected and then putting it back together where i feel whole it would take recognizing when i feel imbalanced and recognizing what i need to do to balance myself again so let's read john
1: 4:20 our father worshiped on this mountain and you jews say that in jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship
0: Yeah, so what's this woman doing? (laughs) What's she doing? She changed the subject on him.
1: (laughs) Possibly diverting the subject so she doesn't get too uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, she doesn't want to maybe address the fact that she's uh, got struggles in this area of her life. And so she's like, okay, well, well, I've got you here. And since you obviously are a prophet, let me ask you this question that's been bugging me all my life. (laughs) So what's Jesus say to her in verse 21?
1: Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Okay, so he's telling her, um,
0: he's telling her that neither are right—not not the Jews or the Samaritans. You're not going to worship. You're not going to worship God on this mountain or in Jerusalem, and that's true. That's the way the New Testament is. Okay, so let's look at four twenty-two.
1: You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews.
0: Now, this is interesting. Okay, he's saying that even the Jews don't have it right, but yet salvation is of the Jews. And he's saying, um, uh, we know what we worship. So he's saying that there is a depth that the Jews do have in their worship, that they, uh, we do know what we worship, we can worship the Father. So now what's he going to say more about worship?
1: But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiping will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him.
0: Yeah, so when I am worshiping God, if I've got all this noise, if I've got all this crying, all these tears, all this confusion, I, I'm i still stuck in the temporal And a lot of times I have to come to the Lord like that. I have to come to Him with my tears and with my bitterness. But when I get up, if I carry it with me, I literally just complained and included God. But if I can leave it right there and say, Okay, Lord. I don't care what this looks like. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how poor I am, what I don't have. I am going to worship you. And at that moment, I have gotten out of myself, out of my circumstance, and I have gotten in my spirit, and it's just me and the Lord. And, and Will, sometimes things don't change, but I change. My heart changes, and there I am dancing in the kitchen and playing with the kids, and I have changed. Just the worship, just the attitude of worship, has moved me to another realm above this physical realm. So let's see what john
1: four twenty four says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth.
0: so that seems to be a verse that should be our our weekly verse. Read that again.
1: God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth.
0: Wow. So I need I'm a I'm a spiritual man I'm a soulish person and I have a body So when uh, my spirit is connected to the Lord, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And we have two studies on our podcast on the Holy Spirit. And so I want to be able to connect my spirit to God's spirit, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And there's that verse that says in John 8, it says the truth's going to set me free. So if I'm not free, I'm not worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. So I want to be able to press into that living Word till it comes alive in me, it waters me, it feeds me, it gives me the strength to be able to let go of things that are temporal and set my eyes on things that are eternal. So what does the woman say that they are looking for and what will the Messiah do when He comes?
1: The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ When he comes, he will tell us all things.
0: Okay, so they're looking for the Messiah. Even the Samaritans are looking for the the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell them? All things. (laughs) Now look at this. What did Jesus reveal to her? Jesus said.
1: I who speak to you am he. he.
0: Yes, I who speak to you am he. So he's telling her that Messiah you're, you're looking for it's me. It's me if you'll receive me, it's me. So he revealed his identity to an immoral woman. So as far as I know will, this is the first person that he has actually said, "I am the Messiah. I am he." Which is pretty cool because he didn't go, he didn't even go to, to Peter, James and John. Uh, he went to the immoral woman at the well. So John 4:27.
1: And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her?
0: <laughs> so, a lot of times the disciples would question Jesus, but this time they didn't. They just were very, very puzzled. So, what did this woman do next?
1: The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men,
0: what she say to the man?
1: And at that this point, his disciples came and they marveled. Oh, oh, let's see, twenty eight. We need to go to twenty nine. We lost twenty. There it is. Oh, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me, come and see. So, did the people of the city listen to her?
1: Then they went out of the city. And came to him,
0: and they did listen to her. Um, she was speaking her truth, and she was saying to them, "Come and listen to this man. Come and hear this man speak. I think I have found the Messiah." And when they came and listened to her, listened to Jesus, they they realized that this was um, a great teacher and a great Messiah. And then they start asking Him to stay. So true worshipers will learn to activate their spirit to to worship the Father. So this is a skill to activate my spirit to worship the Father. So I can come to church well, and I can be so dry and so struggling just to get myself here. I, I might even have to shake myself a bit and say, "You will go." And then once I get here, that's it. I am never sorry that I came. I'm never sorry. So there's a complacency that I could get where I could talk myself out of it until I'm just, finally, it's just routine. It's just something I do, and I'm not going to miss it. So sincerely seeking will bring more revelation and more truth into our lives, and we must be seeking the Lord and being in fellowship with others. So we are never too too sinful or lost to be introduced to the Messiah. This uh, Christ showed us right here in these passages. He says, this woman's not too lost, she's not too sinful, she's not of the wrong race, she's not of the wrong sex, she's not at the wrong time, it's the wrong place. I know where she's at, I know what she's doing, and I'm going to show her who I am, and I'm going to give her this living water. So you're never too low for Jesus to speak to you, and you are never too sinful to tell others about what Jesus has done for you.
1: What things do you do to distract yourself from dealing with these things in your life that hurt?
0: You know, well, there is sometimes that I've gotten stuck, and I need a couple of friends because I don't, I don't want to wear one of them out, and I need, <laughs> I need my good prayer time and I need my journal so that I can journal this stuff out and it's not in me causing me to be bitter but it's out and I'm releasing it to God and I'm finally when I get it out I lay it on the altar and I'm like there it is Lord if you can make something of that mess please do I can't carry this anymore it's too heavy and so as you start putting your hurts out there and you start saying God I need you to heal my heart I want you to heal my heart so that I can hold this living water so that I can go back into the city and tell people who you are And bring them unto
1: you. Why would we need to worship the Father in the Spirit?
0: Well, if I'm worshiping Him physically, I do want to worship Him physically. I want, to, I want to be that living sacrifice in Romans 12. I want to be uh, presenting myself as a reasonable offer to Him physically, but I want my spirit to be one with Him. And in John 17, we'll find that we can be one with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit.
1: Is there an area in your life you feel guilty and shame that you need to release?
0: Yeah. If there's a guilt and a shame that I'm carrying, uh, if there's somebody's voice that mistreated me and I'm rehearsing that, I'm blocking myself from receiving all that God has for me. So I want to be able to take that and move it and ask the Lord to heal it. And you might not even – it might be healed quickly or it just might be healed slowly. But I find that I get more healing when I just stop rehearsing it and i just start praising god i get much more healing much quicker so let's look at john
1: 4:31 in the meantime his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat
0: so what did the disciples do
1: tried to get him to eat
0: yeah they're trying to take care of his physical body <laughs> so that's what friends do right mm-hmm. <laughs> they say here eat eat <laughs> so what kind of food uh what's jesus say
1: but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know.
0: Oh, so Jesus is saying, I've already ate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the disciples are all confused. <laughs>
1: Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat?
0: They're still thinking physical. They're still
1: thinking temporal,
0: physical, right here what they can see. So, But what was Jesus's meat or his delight?
1: Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work.
0: Well, look at that. So as I put my whole heart into doing the work that the Lord has for me, and that could be changing diapers. That could be getting up in the middle of the night feeding the baby. That could be just uh, cleaning the dishes, you know, whatever is in front of me, if I do it unto the glory of God then it's going to become my delight. So I had several children at home, and I was homeschooling, and they were always eating, and I was always frustrated that I had dishes. They were never done. So finally, I just kind of set a routine where I did dishes six times a day, but I made it a point that I was never Going to complain, but I couldn't figure out how to stop complaining over these dishes. <laughs> now, a certain mm-hmm. time at night, I was just like, "That's it. I'm not doing these dishes till the morning." You know, you know, I wasn't going to make it a, a law or anything that that sink had to be clean. I was just, I was just not going to complain anymore. So my goal was not to be fretting about the dishes, but to be grateful. To take every time I was fretting about it, to be grateful and to rehearse God's goodness. And so I would put scriptures all up around my sink, and if I would catch myself fretting about anything, because sometimes when you have passive thoughts, the things that are bothering you, are gonna, you're going to hear them come up, and that's what's in your subconscious that needs dealt with. Sometimes um, you're going to feel a-, a burden by what's going on in your life and how much there is to do. But as I stood there and did those dishes well, all I did was practice memorizing Scripture. So by the end of the week, I'd have all these new scriptures memorized that I would have never memorized if I had stood there and complained. (laughs) So if there's a point of your day that you're complaining, I want you to get a verse before your eyes, before the frontlets of your eyes. That might mean writing it on a three-by-five card and tying it around your neck. That might be writing it on your hand. Uh, it might be posting it on a mirror on the fridge by your sink, in the car on the you know on the dash somewhere. When you've got that passive thinking and that that torment, that torture, that pro- those problems are coming up that we can't fix, instead we're rehearsing the word of God. So there is a harvest that we need to talk about here in John four thirty five.
1: Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are not, or for they are already white for har- for harvest. Yes.
0: Yeah, so when the fields are ready, uh, there needs to be reapers to go out and reap. And so what he's saying is, there is a spiritual harvest. There is spirits out there. There is people that need to be brought into this kingdom that need to be harvested. So John four
1: thirty six, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit. For eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together.
0: Okay, so what's what's going on? What are we going to reap? We're going to reap eternal? Life. We're going to reap eternal life, not just for us, but for others. And the wages that we're going to receive is?
1: Rejoicing together. And,
0: yeah, rejoicing together. We're gonna receive the joy of God, the joy of the Lord's our strength. So as we're doing the spiritual harvest, now we're gonna receive joy. So John four thirty seven.
1: For in this for in this the saying is true one sows and another reaps.
0: Yeah, so we don't always sow, reap, and harvest. Sometimes we're just planting seeds. So what's our job?
1: I send you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored and you have entered into their labors.
0: Okay, so sometimes there's people that can come alongside you that can enter into your labor for just a, a short period of time and help you do that harvest, help you bring in that harvest. And uh, a lot of times, well, I get, I, get, uh, I get burned. I get tired of pouring into people who, who do well and then they don't. And, and then I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this no more. And it's literally not but a few days. And as soon as I've, I have released one to the Lord that's not doing the work, there's another one standing there that's ready to do it. <laughs> so the Lord doesn't give me too much time in between uh, uh, one partner leaving and another partner coming. So He's taught me to let people come and go and to release them quickly into His hands. So what's the key word in this next verse?
1: And many of the Samaritans of the city believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the, all that I ever did. Hmm, so what's that keyword? Believed.
0: Oh, there it is. There's that theme that we've seen all the way through John. Is believe, believe, believe. So there's a belief uh, that we don't have when we start out. But the more you pour in the living water, the more you pour, pour in the living word into your life, the more you're going to believe. So, why did Jesus stay in Samaria two more days?
1: So, when the Samari- Samari- Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days.
0: Well, look at that. It is God that prepares the hearts of the men to receive good seed. It is us that need the spiritual eyes to seek and the work and the will to do it and to obey it. And as Jesus is there, he's just making himself available. And as he makes himself available, there's people compelling him to stay a couple of more days and help them and teach them the word that they can come alive and learn to drink from spiritual waters so let's look at john four forty one
1: and many and many more believed because of his own word
0: hmm. So these despised Samaritans learned to believe in Jesus, and they learned to believe because he didn't judge them.'t he didn't, he didn't, They were never too sinful, they were never too broken. They were never of the wrong race. They, they, he just loved them right there. He was just making himself available. So let's look at John 4:42.:
1: Then they said to the woman, "Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ." the Savior of the world.
0: So just listening to Jesus speak, you're going to know He's the Savior. So if you have a lot of doubt in your heart, if you're like, I just don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, maybe He was a prophet, maybe He was a good man, but I just don't believe that He's the Messiah, that He's the Savior of the world, all you have to do is sit and listen to Him. And when you get into these Gospels, you're going to hear the Lord speak to you. Ask him to open those spiritual ears, to open those spiritual eyes. Now, where did Jesus go next?
1: Now, after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee.
0: Yeah, so Galilee. So Jesus' disciples were urging him to eat. They cared about supporting him physically. So the friends around you are going to be helping you physically, and you need to be supporting each other that way. Spiritual food will become your delight, and the spiritual food is doing the work of God. So if you're doing work that's drudgery, that you hate, you either have the wrong attitude towards it, or you're not in the right position, and you need to start asking the Lord to move things out of your life and to move things into your life that's going to make you you delight in doing your work. Um, so we want to pray for our spiritual eyes to be open so that we can see the spiritual harvest that needs reaped. We want to pray to be able to reap eternal life for ourselves and for those that we love. And this rejoicing, we want to be rejoicing at all times to see a spiritual harvest. And you know, sometimes it's difficult when there's struggles and when there's troubles. and If I get discouraged, I'll say to the Lord, Lord, would you just send me one today that I have helped somewhere along the line that will encourage me, and I'll meet two or three. (laughs) I'll run into two or three. I'll get a couple text messages, and they'll tell me what it was that I did for them or what it was I spoke over them or said to them or prayed for them that made a difference in their life. And that'll give me great encouragement that I don't lose heart. So I want to believe. Uh, I want to know that the word belief is my key word. I want to all the time be addressing my unbelief. And I want to know that my spirit can recognize truth. So when I teach children, well, I don't teach to their own minds, I teach to their spirits. So I teach a little bit above where they're at uh, mentally, um, and their eyes don't leave me. They sit quiet, they sit still, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to them, and I'm like, yes, yes, now the Spirit's doing the work. So here, let's read this question.
1: If my spirit is alive, what will I delight in doing?
0: I will delight in doing the work of the Lord, won't I? So I want you to find something that makes your heart come alive, something that God has given uh, you a vision for, and pray it down.
1: Who in your life is ready and eager to listen and be discipled by you?
0: Okay, so I want you to look around and who's standing there saying, teach me what you know. Tell me how God has taught you this. Tell me how how to pray. Is there a child in your life that's carrying a little Bible around all day long saying, read me another story, read me another story? <laughs>
1: Who is your mentor that loves to feed into you spiritually?
0: So I want you to pray for your mentors. And sometimes my mentors are radio teachers, uh, teachers I've never met, maybe teachers that have long gone on before me, and yet they're mentoring me and teaching me spiritually. So I want you to start looking for those who will feed your spirit with what they have already gone before you and what they know. So John four forty four,
1: For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own community country
0: yes so a lot of times you get discouraged because your family doesn't see uh your gifts they don't see what the what you feel inside of you and so there's some persecution within our families that shouldn't be there that's really uh can be overwhelming and and what i need to do is realize that i have to let them go in certain areas of my life, particularly with my spiritual life, and I have to follow Christ. So, John four forty
1: five. So, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast.
0: Yep. So why? So he's in uh, Galilee again, and he's at a and he's at a feast.
1: So Jesus came again to. Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Capernaum.
0: That's the name of another city. So this nobleman came to Jesus and asked for a miracle for his son. But probably the reason he did that was because of the first miracle uh, where he turned to water into wine, he probably was like, okay, if that man can turn water into wine, he can heal my son. And maybe he was even the governor, the one that had tasted it at the beginning. uh, That Then he knew the story behind it. You don't know, but whatever it was, he knew that Jesus had power that was different than any other physician, any other person. So let's see what's going on in this next verse.
1: When he had heard Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death.
0: Hmm. So what's going on? His son's going to die. Yeah, his son's going to die. That would make this man very desperate, wouldn't it? So what are the benefits of others seeing signs and wonders?
1: Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe.
0: Now, I, I'm a little puzzled by this verse. I'd like at some point to really dig into it and really get the meaning out of different versions out of the out of the Greek, because it almost sounds like he's scolding them. Ha, mm-hmm. Unless you all see these signs, you're just not going to believe. But I wonder if it means something different, if it means, uh, yeah, I'll, these signs are for you so that you will believe, so that there will be a... Uh, a hungering and a thirsting to come after this because there's many times like if we're looking in john 10 25 through 27 let's see if i can find that one he says i told you and you do not believe the works that i do in my father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep because my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me so he's saying when you're my sheep you're going to hear my voice and you're going to follow me let's see what uh, verse 37 in john 10 says it says if i am not doing the works of my father then do not believe me, but if I do them even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So he's telling them that okay, I'm I'm doing these works. I'm doing these signs and wonders and it's so that it will help you believe more. So let's look at John 4:49.
1: The nobleman said to him, "Sir, come down before my child dies."
0: Huh. So he's crying out for his sick son. He's saying, Lord, if you don't come, my baby's going to die. So, how did Jesus heal this son?
1: Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went away. He went his way.
0: Yeah, so he listens to the word of Jesus. Jesus didn't go, he just speaks. Yeah. So when Jesus speaks, so when I'm reading the word, there are two different kinds of word. There's the the rhema, which is the word of God which is alive and or there's the, it's called the logos, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. It's called the logos, which is the written word, and then there's a rhema word which will speak to me personally and I'll feel like a little a little quiver in my heart, a little jump, a little chill, and I'll be like, oh whoa, whoa, what's that? What's that? And that's a rhema word that's giving me an answer for what I'm gonna need. And sometimes that's the verse that I will write down. The word the one that just looks like maybe it's a little highlighted on the page. That's the one I'm gonna write down, and that's gonna be my word that I'm gonna turn around. I'm going ponder, I'm going to chew on it, I'm going to meditate on it, I'm going to be like a cow chewing on my cud, I'm going to chew on that verse all day. And by the end of the day, it's going to mean something to me. It's. I'm going to have been enlightened with it, and it's going to feed my spirit, it's going to come alive and within me, and I'm going to be able to feed somebody else with that Word that He gave me. So when Jesus speaks to you in His Word, I want you to be listening. But if you're not in the Word, Will, it's going to be hard for Him to speak. So let's look at John 4.51.
1: And as he was now going down his servants met him and told him saying your son lives.
0: Yes, look at that. That what an amazing thing. So this man's probably like, okay, what time? What time? What time did that happen? So anxiety and fear is a sign of unbelief. So I want you to settle yourself at the feet of Jesus until you hear his words and then you will find the rest that he has promised you and it won't take you long. A lot of times I just open up the Bible into the book of Psalms and I just say, "Lord, I am not moving." until you speak to me and it's about one minute (laughs) and all my anxiety's gone and I have all this peace. (laughs) So what's Jesus saying four fifty two?
1: Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him.
0: Okay, so it's the servants talking to the nobleman and he's realizing that Ah, yeah, yesterday that was when Jesus spoke.
1: So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he believed, he himself believed, and his whole household.
0: So, this miracle of this child turning it around at the moment that Jesus spoke not only helped this nobleman believe even more, but it also helped his entire household believe. Mm -hmm. So, what was this second miracle in Galilee?
1: This, again, is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee.
0: Well, look at that. And the first one was turning the water into wine. So you, your close family members may not accept your spiritual growth, and seeing Jesus emotionally and physically heal others will increase your belief. A miracle will give you a moment to choose to believe. To believe in the words and the works of Jesus is intentional shifting from unbelief to belief. And don't wait until you are so desperate to come to Jesus. But if you are desperate, come and ask for whatever it is that you need. Hearing the word of Jesus in my heart through reading and speaking the word over my life heals me emotionally. So let's read a few pondering things to question ourselves with.
1: What family members persecute or mock you for following Jesus closely?
0: Yeah. You know, I don't I I don't I think even from a very young child I was persecuted for following Jesus. And I can remember even in junior high school thinking, "Now, I wonder what the Lord's going to do with this because this is uh this is definitely rejection. This is definitely Of course, I called it persecution. I didn't realize it was rejection. But I learned that Uh, what rejection felt like, because I was rejected at home, I was rejected at school, and then when I would get to church, I wasn't perfect enough, and I was rejected there, and then I was told I was rejected if I had a pair of pants on. So there was all these types of rejection that was going on. And so what the Lord taught me from that was to be careful. Of my words, to be careful my attitudes, to be careful of the way I spoke, that I didn't reject others. Because if I'm rejecting them, it's going to be they're going they may be thinking that the Lord's rejecting them. So instead, I want to be loving on them and showing them compassion and receiving them.
1: Do you believe that Jesus will heal others, but not you?
0: Hmm. You know, sometimes I have believed this will. I believe that I can pray for others and God will heal them. But I just believe that. Maybe I'm supposed to suffer. <laughs> and that's a lie. That's not what his word says. That's a lie. So I'm still working through that.
1: How do you speak to yourself? Do you speak life or death over yourself?
0: Okay. I want you to get a tally, a two sided tally. And every thought that you have, I want you to put a check mark. Is that a thought? towards life, towards encouraging and uplifting myself and others? Or is that a thought of complaining and grumbling and and uh, beating myself up with negativity? And I want you to understand that the Father wants to heal you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to drink of the waters of, of life, to have that wellspring of living waters coming in and flowing in through you. And so I want you to be very mindful of all the thoughts that you're thinking and line those up with the word of God and when Jesus speaks let him speak deep into your heart that you may be healed and let us uh, pray in Jesus name that he will heal each and every one of us through speaking his word over us and this is Angie and this is Will and we love you